Thank you for joining me for the Sermon of the Week. Coming to you from Studio B, housed inside that miraculous establishment. The Midwest Healing Center, Lake of the Ozarks. 728 North Main Street, Laurie, Missouri. Sermon of the Week is brought to you by the New Old School Podcast and Church at the MHC. Join me today as we revisit our Sunday morning service, September 5th, 2021. Today's Sermon of the Week is, you've got to love like you've never been hurt before. Check it out. Can I ask you for a, a favor? Can I put this to me this morning? Is that okay? If, if I, you know, is, is that all right? You know, most messages are that way anyway. You know, it's what you've been sitting there and the Lord's dealing with you on that. Praise God. But uh, I just want to preach this to me today as though I was sitting out there and God was pointing his finger at me and saying, hey, Donnie, this is what I have to say, right? Because I need this message uh, as much or maybe more, I would say, of course, in my little world, you know, myself or so, I need this more than anybody, you know, in my little world. I feel like I'm the one that's got all the problems, you know. But, uh, you know, it might sound selfish, but, you know, um, you know, I've had my heart broken over the past month or so, you know, going through some things in life. Anybody going through some things in life, even though you're born again, troubles will come, right? We don't deny that. Praise God, but we have the victory. Hallelujah, we know that too. Uh, but, you know, people coming after the ministry, which is nothing new, that's normal. People coming after the ministry, though, you know, if it's not mine, it's somebody else's. Did you guys see that we made the top of the uh, latest uh, false preacher list? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? No, I was super excited. Like there was this huge thing uh, on Facebook from some ministry that they go around and they, they find false ministers. And I loved, I loved specifically one of the reasons why is because I like the Chiefs. I mean, that's, that makes me a fall. My son said, well, good Lord, don't let him find out that we watch UFC once in a while. You know, my God, those guys are laying hands on each other, but not biblically, you know. But I mean, I loved that. I mean, that's, that's how far it went was that and we allow some women to get up and say things. You women aren't allowed to, you know, that's false. That's a false uh, thing, right? <laughs> Praise God. I love that we made the list though. So that one didn't bother me. I actually reposted it because I thought it was pretty awesome. I felt like that was kind of a badge of honor that we made that list. Praise God. But uh, somebody, you know, people coming against the ministry, bad-mouthing me, bad-mouthing you all. Now, that's where I get a little, you know, mess with me, but, you know, like if you mess with my kids kind of thing, right? You know, that, that one was really, my flesh had to be like, ah, you're crucified, you're crucified, keep your mouth shut, right? I mean, right? Yeah, <laughs> praise God. I mean, uh, how many of you know you shouldn't say or post everything you're thinking? <laughs> right? <laughs> somebody put on there, I... Uh, I typed a bunch of stuff out, and then the Lord, have you ever done that, and you erase it? Glory to God. Well, that's good. I want to get to the point where I don't even type it out, though. You know, I mean, I just want to get, you know, because that's just me satisfying my flesh anyway. Well, I would have said, you know. Uh, But again, you know, people are going to jump on any kind of drama they can find out. Uh, Proverbs 10 and verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sin. Love covers all sin. Isn't that something? That would do us good to remember uh, for ourselves. I mean, even believing for yourself, you know, when you've fallen and you've done some things, but love covers all of that. But as well as if we're ever going to reach this community, reach others, and really be in unity with what it is that God is doing, being in step with what he's doing, we have to remember that, that, that love covers all sins, which it's not denying that sin would be there then, right? That means there's going to be some things that are happening uh, that we don't like. There's going to be some things that are coming that are sin and we don't like it, but love would cover that up. Love wouldn't try to expose it. Love wouldn't try to destroy somebody over it. Uh, you know, I, I've heard this said before that the, you know, the Christian army is the only army that kills its wounded. The only ones that kill, they're wounded. Well, that seems to be true at times, praise God, but we're changing that here, right? But it seems that people don't always want to remember that unless it pertains to them, I guess. But the Bible says where envy and contention are, right? Contention, fighting, quarreling. Uh, That's why we don't let that kind of stuff happen here. I've kicked people out of here for arguing with one another. I don't care what you're talking about, but we don't nurture that kind of spirit here. I'll kick you out. I don't care. You, you, you can go outside and quarrel. You can go somewhere else and quarrel. Uh, you can hug and make up if you want to. You can do that too. We've had that happen, right? Uh, where people were arguing and I literally made two adults hug. <laughs> you know, 
I mean, you know, but I mean, that happens, right? I mean, you know, because that's what they used to make us do when we were kids. I guess we need to get that unity shirt where two people can get in it, you know, praise God. But, but the reason it's so serious is because the Bible says where those things are that you will find every other evil work. That's a big deal. We're contentions and strife and fighting. So it's not just an innocent thing and while well, I have a right to share my opinion, where that is, it opens up a doorway for the devil to come in and bring more trouble because your Bible says in Ephesians 4, I think 27, neither give place to the devil. He loves that kind of stuff. And he's looking for a way in. He can't get it unless we let him, right? It says don't give him place. He can't take it. But man, if you want to open the door wide open, you know, I told you guys that we did that on accident downstairs. We've had no problem with animals getting into this building until I left the garage door open downstairs for three hours when I was doing stuff and a cat got in here, a wild cat got in here. And it took me a week to get that dang thing out and it pooped on stuff. But that's what the devil wants to do is come and poop on your stuff. If you open the door and you leave it open, he's going to come in and do some things. But if I, I simply caught the thing and closed the door and learned a lesson, we won't do that again, right? Praise God. But it's an open doorway for trouble and evil. And I, I was wounded last month terribly and trouble and strife being stirred up. And it wants to pull you in. Your pride wants you to answer. Your pride, much just like that post that that guy posted, he sent me a message beforehand, this false preacher hunter guy with a list of things that he wanted me to engage. I ain't got time for that. And nobody got time for that, you know? We'll, let this, we'll, we'll allow the Holy Ghost to just prove what's going on, right? Uh, but again, so I refuse to allow every evil work into our midst, and so I, I have to preach to myself today, if I can do that, please. Uh, because again, we may not be able to stop what others are doing about it, but you know you can change your response to how you respond to it. And that's the thing, right? Uh, and, and that's going to be the biggest thing is I can't control everybody else. It's going to come, but I can control my response and what's going to come into my life and what's going to leave my life. Yeah. And it's usually pride that rises up to say, you ain't going to talk to me like that. It doesn't matter how you talk to me. It doesn't change a thing. And, and Jesus led like a sheep to slaughter, didn't open his mouth, did he? had every biblical right to do so, could have definitely proven his point, and he would have been right at every turn, but he didn't do that. And there was a reason, because he wasn't going to engage and possibly allow human emotion to begin to arise, and then all of a sudden you've opened the door because the devil is the deceiver of the brethren. And he wants you to think that you have to respond, but you don't. You don't. And so I need to hear this, and more importantly, I need to do this this morning. If I, if I want to continue to see miracles in our midst, if I want to, if I want to see the lost found, if I want to continue to see drug addicts being set free, uh, if, I, if I'm going to think that we can walk out the vision of God and allow Holy Spirit to begin to work in our midst and, and in this community, because I, it's got to leave here, right? If I think that that's what's going to happen, if we want to have peace and, and have God touch our lives, then this is a must, and I hope that it ministers to you today as much as it's going to minister to me. Uh, you can get in on, on this as well. But I have to ask, again, has anybody in here ever been done wrong? No, I mean, it was wrong. It was wrong. There was nothing to it. You were attacked. I mean, it was, now, I've done some things in my life I've deserved the response. I mean, I've done some things. Certainly have. Yeah. And I can understand why some folk would be like, oh, man, you know, that guy. Yeah, 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 I've done some of that. But sometimes there's just some things that come along and you're like, that, that wasn't me. <laughs> well, where where'd this come from, right? Uh, so I have to ask, you know, you've been done wrong and falsely accused and slandered. Hurt, hurt, have you been hurt before? Did it tick you off before? Did it make you mad? Did it upset you at, at times and, and cheated? And, but see, I'm not preaching to you this morning. I'm preaching to me. So if it gets you, then praise God, you can have it. You can jump in on it. But I'm going to talk to myself today. Uh, I love quotes from famous people. Our, our family, you know, Lucas could attest to this. You know, half our conversations in our life was throwing out lines from movies when we were talking to each other. That's just how our family would do it, you know. Um, but I love how quotes, you know, I, I always think it's crazy how somebody will say something and it ends up being a part of culture, things that we've heard for years, you know, like the original person said something, most people don't even know who said it, but it just becomes part of everyday life and people say it all the time. And I always thought that was kind of amazing how people just grab things and it's, it makes it through, you know, decades, people repeat things that they've heard. Uh, and so it becomes a part of culture. And again, ours is always movie quotes from our family. But here's one, uh, one to, to, uh, tis better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. Have you heard that? That's Alfred Lord Tennyson. Knowledge is power. That was uh, Sir Francis Bacon. 
To err is human, to forgive divine. That's Alexander Pope. Here's one that you might have quoted as Bible. God helps those that help themselves. Well, that's not scripture. That's Ben Franklin, by the way. Uh, not Father God. How about this one? Stay thirsty, my friends. Now, that should have been a quote from Jesus about hungering and thirsting, but that was the Dos Equis guy, the most interesting man in the world. But, I mean, we could have used that. You know, Jesus could have used that. Stay thirsty, my friends. Uh, but that's not the quote I want to talk about today. I want to talk about a man. They don't even know this man's age. They never did know his age. Uh, they, weren't, they weren't able to ever find a birth certificate, and he passed away in 1982. Leroy Satchel Page. This is a very interesting man. Uh, we know Jackie Robinson was the first African-American ever to uh, be allowed to play in the major leagues in baseball um, in 1947. But right after him was this man, Leroy Satchel Page, in 1948. He pitched for the Cleveland Indians. Uh, he ultimately made it into the Hall of Fame for this. Uh, first African-American pitcher, pitcher in the major leagues. Uh, and this guy was amazing. I mean, he's done things that people still can't do. They could, can't figure out how he did some of these things. But you can imagine all the prejudice and the hate, right, from the way that culture was back then and all the segregation and all the things that were being said and how they were treating other races as subhuman or not human at all. And uh, so we see that. All the, and it all came towards this guy for just wanting to do what it is that he loved. He just wanted to play baseball. I mean, very simple. He just wanted to play baseball and was really good at it and all the hell that he caught for just wanting to do that. So, I mean, imagine that all he wants to do, it, but all the hurtful things and the things people would say and people throwing stuff at him from the, and the chants from the crowd and the people, the way they would talk about him. It's recorded that one team was going to try to intimidate him, so they stacked up all their best batters one after another. All the home run hitters, one, two, three, four, five, six, put them all in line right there. And again, you, you know, I don't know a lot about baseball, but I do understand you want to get some guys on base and then bring up your big gun, right, and knock them in. They weren't going to do that. They wanted to intimidate him, and so they stack all these guys up one after another. They wanted to gang, gang up on him. It feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? When it rains, it pours, right? The devil, if he finds a way in. You just set out to do what it feels like you should be doing, and what happens is life wants to come in and stack all the odds against you, and right? The hits keep coming. That was the idea. The hits just keep coming, you know? And so, but I love this. He wasn't intimidated, so as they, as they found out that they were stacking up all these hitters, he told his entire infield to go to the dugout, sent them all to the dugout, and then he told the whole outfield to come and sit behind second base on the ground. This really happened which meant that the only one standing on the field was Satchel Page, the pitcher. And as great hitters came forward, he struck every one of them out, one after another after another, and he pitched a no-hitter. Never hit a ball on him. He was amazing. They would often play two games back then, and he would pitch both games. They don't do that anymore. That, you know, that $100 million elbow can't handle it. This man was pitching both games. Off-season, he would travel to South America to play ball down there because he loved the game that much. He wouldn't take any season off. He'd play here, and then he would travel down there and play all year, full season. He had some famous pitches, the b-ball pitch, the, the bat dodger pitch, the long tom. The most famous pitch he had was hesitation pitch. It would say that he would go all the way back. He would go partway and then stop in the middle, somehow freezing them, and then let go, and it threw these batters off. They couldn't understand how this ball almost froze in midair when he would throw it. Uh, really, they said almost an impossible pitch to hit. This man was so good that they believe when he was around 60, again, they don't know how old he was, but they believe around 60 years old, he was still pitching in the pros and he pitched three in innings in Kansas City at 60 years old. He had famous quotes about baseball, a philosophy. One of his famous quotes was, keep the baseball off the fat part of the bat. That's, that makes sense. Another quote, no man can avoid being born average, but no man has to stay average. That's a good one. But the quote that I like, the one that, that got me, this is a three-part quote here. Work like you don't need money. Dance like nobody is watching. I would all hope that you know that if I ever dance, it will be when nobody is watching. Right? We almost did, uh, you know, what, we almost danced last week up here. Um, MC Hammer. <laughs> and, but I, but uh, again, uh, it's the last part that I wanted you to hear. Love like you've never been hurt. Love like you've never been hurt. Now, here's the thing. How many of you are so thankful that we have one called the helper, which is the Holy Ghost? <laughs> Glory to God. Because you're going to need help with this one. You're going to need help. But see, you have a helper, 
The Holy Ghost, Donnie, when, when they come at you and get mad and, and talk against you and you get upset and they lie and slander and, and they walk away from you, you got to learn to love like you've never been hurt. Because as sure we're, we're sitting here today, somebody's going to hurt you. Somebody's going to attack you. Isn't that right? Somebody's going to lie about you. Somebody's going to disappoint you. Somebody's going to upset you, sure enough. Somebody's going to let you down and break your heart. And I'm just describing last month. Might have been yours too, though. And if I could sit out there and stand up here at the same time, I would look at myself and I'd have to say, Donnie, you're going to have to love like you've never been hurt. You're going to have to. It's a trap. It's evil. It binds you. They don't even care. Isn't that something? They don't even think about it, but we do. And it begins to consume our thoughts. And then what happens? You begin to act irrationally. Not the way that you usually do. Because all the emotion and the things, it's evil. It, it binds you. Uh, irrational decision making based off of hurts. And how many of you have said something and then you went, oh, uh, too late. Posted something, you couldn't get it erased quick enough, you know. Come on, we've all been there in these situations. And then what you do is you allow those thoughts to live in your head rent free. Nobody's paying the price, just you. They just bounce around in there and they just sit there. How many of you, man, you can come out of a great service or have a great day, and all of a sudden you spend five minutes worrying about something or got mad or something happened or you read something on Facebook and you feel totally exhausted and it ruined your whole day? Five minutes of stuff bouncing around in your head living rent-free. Or you saw that person at the grocery store and you're like, oh, that, oh, right? I hope it wasn't me that you saw. <laughs> if it is, forgive me. Love covers a multitude of sins. But it causes you to begin to think ungodly thoughts, wasting time, getting upset, sick and tired, and feeling sorry for yourself. How, good, how, how, how does that work out for you? And it hurts, and it just wears you out, and it can affect your health. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, for though we walk in the flesh, guys, we do not war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. What do we got to do? Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And what else? Bring every single thought that you have bouncing around up here into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Thoughts, you've got to obey Christ. You've got to bow to Christ. The Bible says we can have the mind of Christ. And this is what he's talking about. These thoughts, when they are left unchecked in the mind, when, they, when they're not checked through the word of God, it, those footholds can become strongholds. You ever seen somebody that they're just bitter? They're just bitter. I mean, I, I know some of my relatives who are a little bit older up in age were still mad about people that were dead. You outlived them, glory to God, and they're still mad at them. They're going to raise them from the dead and make them apologize, you know? I mean, they're just, but they allow those things to just live in there in their heads. We have to tear down and run them through the word of God, those thoughts and emotions, and tell them, you have to obey Christ. Mark Twain said, if you ever find a dog on the side of the road that's been hurt and mangy and hungry, take that dog home, nurture it, feed it, back to health. When it gets back on its feet, that dog will never bite you, but that's the difference between dogs and mankind. Some of the people that you love the most, some of the people that you've ministered to, some of the people that you've loved on and helped will turn and stab you right in your back and spit in your face, won't they? I mean, just like that. Just as quick as it can be. That's the difference, right? Jesus had a quote for you today, Matthew 18 and verse 7. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to the man by whom the offense comes. We understand that it's going to be there. Oh, woe to the one that's doing it for sure. You know, I've always said this, when people are like, stop getting offended, I'm like, stop offending me, maybe. <laughs> that's, you know, that's kind of been my response as well, stop doing things that offend me, and maybe I won't. But at the end of the day, we understand, it's not for us to have to try to make them pay for something. Woe to the one that offends. There's a payday for that. There certainly is. People are going to hurt you. They're going to stab you in the back. They're going to crush you. Somebody's going to offend you and hurt you deeply. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. You can be the best person in the world, and it doesn't matter. It's going to happen. Somebody woke up this morning and they brushed their teeth and they sharpened their tongue just waiting to talk about you. Right? But what I've come to tell myself today, when it happens, you don't have a choice. You want to call yourself a Christian? 
We need to listen to this preacher, Satchel Page. He has a word from the Lord today. Let it get into your heart. You gotta love like you've never been hurt. This is so supernatural. This is so heavenly. The very nature of God, your Bible says in 1 John 4 and verse 8, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Whew. That's bold. Because guess what? God loves every one of them. He chose to love them before they ever have made a decision to love him. He's already loving them. And we want to say we have the love of God. If you don't love, if you don't love, you don't know God, it says. What better witness to have if we ever want to help somebody? If we really want to see the power of God and provision and blessing of God, I'm going to have to love like I've never been hurt before. There are hurts that are held on into this room, those people that are watching online as well. There are root issues that have produced fruit in our lives. I mean, we've seen people that have gotten so upset, it affects you physically. Physically affects your body. I mean, just the side effects, that's just the fruit, but the root is that anger and that bitterness that begins. How many of you ever felt great after being super angry? I mean, it just, it, it does something to your physical body. I mean, scientifically proven that it does. And so see the trick, you're the ones that are held captive now by this. Those people just go on, and that was the devil's plan, to just say some things to offend you, to upset you, to allow thoughts to trap you and hold you captive in your mind. Like, Curtis, where'd you learn to park? He had a little issue with somebody this week that was trying to get on to him about something. But that stuff can stick in you like, well, I'll show you how. You know, I mean, here, why don't you stand out there in front of my truck, and I'll show you, who, you know, how I parked, right? I mean, but those are things that your flesh wants to do to people, Right? And so what it does, instead of God using you, it gets into the natural when all we do is talk about the hurts and, and, and this and that. And, and by the way, that's a real turnoff to people. You know, you see those people in the grocery store and you're like, mm-mm, I don't want to talk about that again. Right? It's a big turnoff to people. All, they do, all that person does is gripe and complain and talk about the same thing. It's a turnoff to people. I'm talking about if we're going to be a witness, if we're going to be a witness... We want to be able to lead people to Christ. This is a trap that the devil uses. It's a trap. We ought to be talking about Jesus. Instead, we're talking about the problems all the time. Joseph, you want to walk out from behind this curtain? Your brothers are sitting there. The same ones that ripped you of your coat, threw you down in a pit, and they sold you into slavery. And you're going to have an opportunity that when you walk out from this curtain, all your worst enemies from your family are going to be sitting right there on the front row. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's affected you. You've been done wrong. Family has, has, and God brought you out, and you think that you moved on, right? But you're going to have an opportunity to see these people because usually we're all good until we're not all good anymore. I was all good till I saw them again. Well, you're going to have to see them again. I was all good till I thought about it again. I was all good until they said something. We thought we had some things settled, but did we really? I mean, here was an opportunity for this man that he's going to walk out, and he holds the keys to the world's food supply. So easy to be like, is that right? Hmm. Do you understand you hold the keys to this world's spiritual supply? that the very people that offended you might be the very people that you're going to have to minister to. The ones that have done you the most wrong and spit in your face and talked about you, and you hold the key right there to pull them out of hell. But will you do it when you see them? When you have the opportunity and they're broken, are you going to celebrate their brokenness and say, good, you got what you deserve. You're going to reap what you sow. And here it is, it's time, and it's come back on you. Or are you going to do like this man? He had to love like he's never been hurt. He had to see that family that tore him apart, ruined his life for what it was, but God turned it to the good, didn't he? He turned it to the good. We got to come out from behind the curtain and look what they did to me. No, no, no. I love this. We got to love like we've never been hurt. And he was able to say what they meant for harm, God used it for the good. Have you ever had that happen? An issue in your life where you thought, I'm not going to make it out of this one, and now you can barely remember what it was? God turned that thing for the good, didn't he? He's such an amazing God. I mean, things that consumed us, and we thought, my God, this is the end of my life. It's over. You barely remember the details today, glory to God, because we made it. He turned that thing. Praise God. Well, he's not done. He's not done. Not only did he save himself, but he was able to get free and healed of that wound inside of that broken heart, but he was able to save his family and restore that honor. We've got to restore the honor of our family. 
I'm talking about the Christian family. I'm talking about our faith and our brothers and our sisters instead of ripping each other down and tearing each other apart and, oh, they did this and they did that and they did the other. Friends, we gotta restore the honor of the family, our family. We gotta start loving the hell out of people instead of beating it out of them. That's what Jesus would do. We are family. Moses was rejected by Israel. He saw them in bondage. He had a call on his life and he didn't like it because it was to a bunch of people that he didn't care for. Anybody live in Laurie or the lake? No. <laughs> but no, I mean, right? Come on, right? I mean, no, we've had this happen to us, right? That we're called to us. It's not called to the lovely ones. I'm not called to the, you know, the, the happy, good, lovely ones and the thing, right? He's going to call you to the ones that are in need, glory to God, the ones that are desperate, the ones that are hurting. He didn't like the call. He's like, I don't want to minister to these people. And then he killed the man. He killed the man. Something happened in him fighting with the call. Have you ever contended for the call? I mean, man, you've done some things wrong trying to get away from it. Four decades away from his people, and then a bush catches on fire. God speaks to him. Have you had a burning bush moment at times? Glory to God. I mean, where you knew that God spoke to you. Oh, yeah. Because he'll still speak to you even in the middle of it, right? right? In the middle of your sin, if you have an ear to hear, he's still speaking. He's not abandoned you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Jesus said, I'll be with you in trouble, meaning you'll be in it. But I'm going to be right there. And so God tells him, guess what? You're going to go right back where you left off to the exact same people because the call hasn't changed. Isn't that amazing? Your call hasn't changed. And so he had a decision to make because what if? What if the love that you lack might just be love for yourself? That maybe I don't have to worry about anybody else. Maybe I just don't like me. Have you been there? That the biggest problem I have is that guy staring at me in the mirror. I don't like him. There's been days that I didn't want to just crucify the flesh and the spirit. <laughs> there were some days that you're like, you know what? It'd be easier if I'd just go. Come on, that's, that's real, right? That's real. It'd be better if I was gone. What a lie from the devil. God had you born for such a time as this. You can't leave. But he ran away from the people that he knew he was supposed to save, and he failed, and he blew it. And after 40 years, you know, we were just talking, how many times have we tried to move away from this area, this region, and go different places? Because I didn't, I didn't want to minister to this group. I want to minister to another group. And then I got down there and found out the same problems, and I was like, oh, it's because I'm here. <laughs> it wasn't the people. It was me. You can't run from the call and be satisfied, I'll tell you that. You know, I don't care where you go. Guys, I went to Hawaii for three months, and it was the most miserable thing I've ever done. I couldn't wait to get off of that God-forsaken island. I'd drive, down the, I'd drive down the mountain every morning and see the most beautiful sunrise, and I was like, <laughs> I hate this place. The grace of God wasn't there for it. I was just running. Such a beautiful place, and I'm like, this place disgusts me. I need to get back to Laurie. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Glory to God. And I drive, down this, I drive down this Highway 5. I've lived here since 1978. And I love every bit of it. Glory to God. I'm called here. I'm called to this region. I love these people and God loves these people. But man, you know, I, I can't go back and lead these people. I messed up. I mean, because in the middle of that, I ran from here because of issues that I was having with certain people. And I thought, well, I'll just leave. How about that? I'll just leave. God didn't tell me to leave. I left out of selfish motives because I was tired of y'all you know, these people picking on me, talking about me. What, I'll just get out of here. I'll go somewhere where people don't know me, and I'll be wonderful. I'll be wonderful. And yeah, I got down there, and of course, anywhere I go, people are going to get baptized. They're going to get healed. They're going to get born again. That wasn't the issue, but I was miserable doing it. For three months, miserable. Holding healing school on the beach in Hawaii was the most miserable time in my life. What? I wasn't called there. It wasn't called there. 40 years, the call of God and, and the plan of God still burned, and he had to love like he'd never been hurt before. Because here's the deal. God's plans didn't change for you. They've not changed for you. Maybe you lived in a dry place in a dry season, and, and you don't need anybody else to beat you up. Maybe you're doing just a fine job yourself. I, I feel like I'm a little harder on me than most. But you got to love like you've never been hurt. you got to love yourself like you. Because, see, we remember he doesn't. He's forgiven you and moved on. He doesn't remember, but we remember all the things that we've done. And the devil loves to bring every bit of that back so that you can begin to beat yourself up. Because you might be able to say something to me, and I can block you, but, man, it's hard to block me. I go to bed with me, and I wake up with me. And the voices are always there trying to say something. you got to love yourself like you've never been hurt. you got to love yourself like you've never been hurt. 
You got to remember the image in which you were made and the plans of God that he had for you and they never changed. God's plans never changed for you. 40 years later and God is still waiting for that man to just go right back where he left off. I just need you to go right back there because God's still standing there going, are we going to do this or not? And so I'm just telling you today that whatever it is that you've walked away from, just go right back. Go right back to that spot that you abandoned because God's still standing there. He's still standing right there saying, so are we going to do this or what? No, I know where you've been, prodigal son, but I've got a ring and a robe and some shoes for you, and I'm going to restore you right back. And I know you ran off and you squandered some things, but I'm not talking about five seconds ago. What are we going to do with the next five? Let's move on. He gave that son a ring because that ring was the official business, right? We're back in business, son. That's the official stamp, the seal, and I'm giving it to you because you came right back where we left off. The moment that you left, I stayed right here. That father was scanning the horizon every day waiting for his son to come back. And the moment he did, totally restored, totally restored. Didn't punish him, didn't say, I told you so. He said, I can't worry about what you did there. What are we gonna do now? Let's move forward. You gotta go right back to where it is that you left off, friends. There's ministries that are sitting here. And I'll tell you, the worst place for a ministry to end is six feet under. So many people have gone to the grave not fulfilling what it is that God called them to do. You've got to go right back to where you were. For some of you, somebody's gonna have to make a phone call today and talk to somebody. Give them a call. Say, I'm sorry, I love you. I love you. 40 years later, God's waiting for you right where you left off. But will you allow self-pity and shame and the embarrassment of it and people saying, see, you did that before and you failed. Bigger, better people have tried and failed. Well, I don't know about all that. I just know what God called me to do. Starting another ministry in Laurie, you should have gone somewhere else. I mean, look how many other ministries have tried and they don't get anywhere. I don't know about everybody else. I just know what we're doing. I just know what God called us to do. And if only 120 walked into an upper room and they changed the course of history forever, then I'm excited about what anybody could do in this place. Because it didn't take everybody, it just took somebody. Say, I'm somebody. It just took somebody that wouldn't give up. They wouldn't stop. They were at the right place at the right time. Peter, of all people, to show up at the upper room and to walk into that place and be the one that was thrusted to the balcony because Jesus was still saying, but yeah, I have a call for you. I have a plan for you. And thrust him to the forefront to be the first one to lead 3,000 men and introduce the Holy Spirit of God to the entire world. What could he do with you if we just went back to where we left off? He's calling you back there because God's there. Adam and Eve, they blew it. They sinned against God, directly disobeyed everything that he said to do. Isn't that right? Don't eat of the tree. Don't, you can have everything, but I want that. No, you can have everything else, just not that, but that's the one thing I want. Have you been there? I mean, God's been so good to you. All these things, you lack nothing, and you're like, but I want it, but I want that. You know, just selfish, fleshy things. There they are. They did everything that he said not to do. Matter of fact, when the devil came to Eve, Eve repeated back to him the very things that God said not to do. She knew. Have you ever sinned even though you knew? Yeah. I mean, you even, you even knew, right? Like my mama raised me right, and I chose to do wrong. Like I knew I was doing wrong. But my flesh was like, but I want to. But I want to. I want to. I love this, though, that they, the day they blew it, and the devil comes in, right? And they blew it. They did it. They did it. And, but I love that the very next day, who showed up? God showed up again the very next day because he would come down every day and walk with them in the garden at the cool of the day. And right on time, as he does every day, in the middle of what he knew was their worst sin and they just blew it and you just totally disobeyed me, God showed right back up at that spot the next day and said, where are y'all at? And he was asking, where are you at? He knew where they were physically, where are you? Guys, I'm still here. My heart didn't change for you. I know you blew it. And there could be natural consequences, but guys, I'm still here. God will not bail on you at the tough times. He's not gonna run off from you. The spirit of God's not gonna lift from you. That whole idea, guys, if he would, you're dead. You wouldn't have made it this far. He's not gonna leave you now. It's not an excuse to sin, but I'm saying we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And guess what? I'm not prophesying to you. It's just truth. Every one of you will sin again. 
Yep, maybe even today. Maybe. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to lay down and die? You're going to waller in it? Are you going to get up? And you're going to love like you've never been hurt? I'm talking about yourself. A lot of these things come from our childhood, even though we don't want to admit it. We think that we've outgrown some things and done some things, and, and there were th- some things that were placed inside of us as children and hurts that were planted in there and rejection and harmful words that were said, and sometimes it's those things. We know the devil likes to whisper in your ear. David had a father that didn't even believe in him, right? I mean, here we are, 1 Samuel 16, the prophet of God tells David's father, you assemble all your boys because God's gonna anoint a new king. Get all your boys. And the father sitting there listening to the prophet of God, knowing that the prophet of God would know all things, didn't even call Davy to the party. Didn't even call him. Surely the Lord's anointed. No. See, that's what we do, don't we? We look at these other people and we wish somebody else could do it. Look at them. They look better. They talk better. They're more educated than me. They do this. They do. We look at all the pedigree and the natural things. In the end, it's God knows a man's heart. And that's what they said. They set up all these other boys that this one is surely God's anointed. Look at him. He looks good. He's, he's amazing. And what a specimen. And he said, God has not chosen him. God's rejected him. Well, how about this one, though? See, God won't settle well, here's another one, Lord. He's pretty good too. No. Well, this one, and he's like, no, listen, I know what God said. Are there any others? You mean Davy, the red, redhead kid? He's out watching the sheep. Get him. Surely God's chosen stands before me. Isn't that amazing? This kid could have been really mad. He could have been really upset. And once he became king, he could have said, forget all y'all. He's from the south. Forget all y'all. You're dead to me. Didn't choose me. God chose me. But that's the thing, right? God's looking for sons and daughters to anoint, and out of the seven boys, six were called. David was left as unimportant. His own father didn't even think that he had a chance to do any more than just hang out with the sheep. I don't want, I don't want you to be seen, son. I don't want you to be seen. And, and, and so I, I know that we have people that are here that have been church hurt. You've been passed over. You've been left to feel unimportant. You've been told that you were unimportant, that you don't hear God, that you don't know, that you don't have anything to say, that surely if God was doing something, he'd tell me. Not you. I hear from Holy Ghost. Not you. Um, we're hitting some buttons. I see some faces right here that are like, Mm-mm-mm. you better love like you've never been hurt. <laughs> you better love like you've never been hurt. Come on. God was always looking at you. God was always looking at you as one of the chosen one in his eyes, and he picked you first, glory to God. That's why it bothers you so bad is because you know that you know that you know that you got a call on the inside of you, and it bothers you that you can't let it out. It bothers you. That's why it made you so mad. That's why it upset you so bad because you know, you do know that you have a call of God on the inside of you to do greater to do bigger, to do better things. Whatever that means, that doesn't mean standing up here. It means that wherever you're at, and you have that pulpit at the cash register, uh, you have the pulpit at the gas pump, right? The pulpit is there for you because you've been chosen by God, and he chose you first. He never picked you last. Man could say you don't have it, but guess what? Man didn't give it. They can't take it away. You don't need paperwork and be anointed by somebody and and, and, and some little framed something on the wall and a license and an ordination. You are sons and daughters of God, and you can't help but act the way that you act, so stop apologizing for it. I know who my daddy is, and I don't need any other man to tell me. I have been chosen by my father, and he loves me, and I love him, and I'm acting just like my father. I can't help it. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, and he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe chose to join together with you. Imagine almighty God saying the words, I choose you to be with me. Kind of like Jesus and that that woman that was caught in the act of adultery. What side did he choose? The adulterous woman caught in the act. He said, I'm with her and she's with me. Isn't that amazing? A lot of people don't want you to think that. A lot of people think if that's you, that God's kind of got you out there, but you ain't in the circle. God said, I'm joining you to me joined to me. God said, everywhere I go, I want people to see that you're mine and I'm yours. 
that I'll never leave you, that it doesn't matter where we're at, I want you to know that if I was choosing sides, I'm standing with you every single time. Joining us to himself, even before he laid the foundation of the universe because of his great love, he ordained us. You have some ordination papers? Oh, I got a whole book. Where would you like me to start? Glory to God. Right? Come on. That's a big deal to people. Are you ordained? Yep. No, every one of you can say that you're ordained. He ordained us. You can show him. Yes, I have my ordination papers. I was ordained. I'm an ordained minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes. I don't care what it looks like to you. I'm holy in his eyes. You'll never be holy enough for man. And sometimes we give him reason to believe that, but that's okay. God's looking at the heart. He said that you're holy, and which means this then. You can appear unholy in man's sight and still be holy in the sight of God. You can appear holy in man's sight and be seen as unholy in the sight of God. Which one would you rather? I'd rather be seen as holy in the sight of God. I don't care what man has to say anymore. I've been crucified with Christ. What can you do to a dead man? I'm crucified with Christ. I am joined with him, ordained to be seen with him and seen holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan, always to do what? To adopt us as his delightful children. I'm adopted. I was adopted at birth, didn't know it. No, I mean by my mother, Carolyn, adopted at birth. Never knew another mother. That's my mother. That's my mother. I dare to say if you cut us, we'd probably bleed the same at this point. I mean, because of the union and the joining together, I knew no other mother. Adopted. And what I always loved about adoption is you can have a baby, but adoption says I pick that one. You know? I mean, that's pretty amazing. And God said, I'm adopting you because I want that one. Well, I mean, when you're adopting these little babies, you don't know what they're going to do and how they're going to turn out. I know, but I want them. I want them. I want them. I'm willing to take the chance. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one. So that his tremendous, why? Why? So that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus. The same love that he has for Jesus, he has for us. Do you think he loves his son, Jesus? That's the same love he has for you. Even when Jesus was made sin, You think about it. Jesus was the most sinful man that ever walked the earth for that moment. Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Isn't that what sin does? It makes you feel like, and God's like, I didn't forsake you. But sin makes you feel that way. Imagine Jesus being the most sinful at that moment because he took all of our sin. Now, there's some things that I've not done that others have done, and Jesus took all that plus mine. And yet at the same time, he's saying, but I, I love you, son. For the same love that he had for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. God's rooting for you. He's rooting for you even when you blew it. He's rooting, when Peter went out there and he sunk, he didn't make him swim back. He picked him up and he showed him how to do it because that's what a good father does. He's always rooting for you. We can't allow man's actions to reflect upon God's true nature. God never chose you last. You were always first picked to him. And we got to love. I know, I know that they drove you out, but God brought you in. And, and it's the people who they say they love you the most that can do the most damage, but that's not God. That's not God. They might say they're speaking for God. They might be in a position that you feel like they're godly. But if it's not godly, it's not from God. These are still human beings that hold these titles and positions in ministry and church leadership. They're still human beings that are flawed that have their own thoughts and opinions that they can mix in with things at times. And sometimes the things they say have nothing to do with God at all. It's just them. Sometimes. And you've got to be able to hear the voice of God. Uh, Kenneth Hagin would always say, um, eat the hay, spit out the sticks. You don't have to take everything. If it doesn't set right, spit it out. That's never going to be God, and we've got to let the guard down this morning and forgive, and we've got to walk, and we've got to love like we've never been hurt before because there is a Jesus that's loving you right now because he's got to love like he's never been hurt. Someone has experienced great loss in your life, Job. In Job 1 and 2, he lost everything. He lost his house. 
He lost his farm. He lost his gold. He lost his sheep and his oxen and his camels, and he lost all 10 children in one day. 10 of his children died. His home burnt. His farm was gone. Everything, and lost 10 children in one day. Imagine that kind of grief. Oh, my goodness. And his health went bad, and his wife even said, you just need to curse God and die. Well, thank you, honey. Well, since we're one, maybe you ought to (laughs) know. Curse God and die, she says. Well, thank you, babe. I was really hoping you'd pray, but okay. But that hurt and that frustration and that anger at that point, it's so easy to point a, a, a fist at the sky and say, why? Why? Right? I mean, man, have you been there where everything is just went to hell in a handbasket? Because isn't it true that when issues arise in our life, it's so easy to say, God, where are you? See, that's what the accuser of the brethren likes to do. He likes to accuse God to you. Well, if all this is happening in your life, where's God? If God really loved you, why is all this happening? Have you, have, have you heard that before? Have you felt that before? And you're sitting there like, why? And you're angry. Romans 8, verses 31 through 39, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God went right to the top and gave the very best for you. He could give no better. He thought, what could I give that would just settle it once and for all? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that he would never hold anything else because after giving your son, what's left? You want a healing? No problem then. Through my son, I'll give it to you. You need help out? You need peace? Hey, through my son, I'll give him to you. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect, which is you? It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Or let me say it this way. I got a different revelation on this set of scriptures before because this, this idea came to me. It's usually when these things happen that we say, God, where are you? When these things are happening in my life, has God abandoned me? Why is this happening? God must not love me because these things are happening. Watch this. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, when those things happen, that's not an indication that God has left you because there will be trouble. There will be persecution. What will separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, Peril, sword, it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, though, all these things will come. Troubles will come, issues will come. But in all these things we are conquerors through him who loved us. Now he says this, I'm persuaded. You need to be persuaded. I'm persuaded that neither death. Well, but they died. Where was God? Neither death. Doesn't prove a thing. People die all the time. Has nothing to do with God. Nothing to do with him. I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. None of those things prove that God loves or does not love you. What proves that God loves you is that he gave his only begotten son. And who did he give it to? The world, not just the Christians. See, that means that all the hell that's going on in their life, God loves them too. He loves them and you just as much as he loves Jesus. That's a bold statement. Job suffered unimaginable uh, unimaginable loss, but I love this. He said, I'm not going to curse God. I'm going to love him like I've never been hurt. And I love that it says, you know, I mean, he couldn't deny it. It did hurt. Certainly it hurt. Lost your children, your, your wife, and my job, and, and, the, and, the, and the farm, and I mean, everything I had, but I choose. He chose on that day, I will love like I've never been hurt. And the Bible says he had three friends that came and sat around him in a circle. And, 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 and for three days, they said, the reason that your life has gone this way, and you should have done that, and you should have done that. Don't you love it when you're at the worst, and people come and tell you what you should have and could have done? Isn't that awesome? Well, you should have done this, and you should have done, well, Thanks. Thanks. Don't do that. Pray for people. And maybe say no more than, I heard you're going through some hell. I'm praying for you. Even if you believe that they caused, have any of you caused your own trouble? Didn't even need the devil to help. Pray for me. 
Not just when I do it right and get persecuted, when I've done it wrong and deserve the persecution. You still gotta pray for one another. You're gonna blow it. You're gonna do some things that you've earned some criticism. We still gotta pray for one another because I don't want anybody to stay in that trap. But I love it when they come during a trial in your life and you should have and could have and you should have listened to us. But here's the key in Job 42. He prayed for his friends. He prayed for his friends, some friends with friends like that. (laughs) But he prayed for these guys. Those that were condemning him, mad at him, guilting him in eight chapters where they run him down and kick him while he's down in judgment and the judgment of God and you failed and you're no good. And after all that, Job 42.10, he prays for them and the Lord turned the captivity of Job. After that, I love it says, after that, God gave him twice as much as he had before. Somebody's about to have an after that in their life where you have lost it and it's been ugly and it's been bad, but he can turn that and you can still have an after that. But here's the thing, you hold the key to the after that. It said he had to pray for those people. He couldn't get mad at God and he couldn't even get mad at them. He had to love them like he had never been hurt. You hold that key. I love you guys like I've never been hurt before. And if I'm preaching to myself today, I'm saying, Donnie, you got to allow Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, to come into your life and release you today because there's an after that. There's an after that. There's an after that waiting outside the prison of hurt and offense and, and there's restoration to provide everything that you need in your life, everything that was stolen. If you had some things stolen from you, there's an after that. And I love it that there's double for the trouble. He said, oh, I'm not just a good God that's just gonna restore it back. I'm always gonna give you more. Isn't that how God is? He's always gonna give you more. He's gonna double it up, glory to God. Double for the trouble. I don't know about you today. I'm ready for double for my trouble, right? And if, I, if, I'm, gonna have, uh, if I'm gonna have an after that in my life, I don't even have a choice. I hold the key to the after that in my life and I gotta love like I've never been hurt. Your Bible says that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. But look, they falsely accused him, didn't they? Jesus came for one purpose, just to love the hell out of people. And they couldn't leave him alone. They falsely accused him. Came and took him. He was just doing what the father asked him to do. He was just loving people, helping people, healing people, ministering to people, loving on people, bringing in these outcasts, working miracles. And they came and they lied on him and they accused him and they arrested him and they took him and they beat him and they abused him. I mean, ripped the skin off of his body, pulled the beard out of his face beat him with rods, punching him. Oh, prophesy to us, who's hitting you? Who's hitting you? Tell us who it is, Jesus. Imagine the abuse just for doing what God said to do. Spit in his face, spit. Here Jesus spits and heals people and they're spitting in his face. Punching him, hung him on a cross, nailed him through his hands and feet, stuck his spear in his side and dropped him in a hole with a thump and he hangs there suffering, trauma, loss of blood running through his body, pain so severe his body shook in agony. And with the very few words that he had left to speak on this earth, looking down at the very people that he loved and ministered to that have now spit on him, punched him, they chose a murderer over him. It was our sin, it was our shame that was placed him there. And he's looking at us today. And he said, Father, I'm gonna love them like I've never been hurt before, forgive them. With the last few breaths that he had, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And that's exactly what I'm saying to you today. They don't even know. They don't even know what they're doing to you. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He didn't wait till we decided to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior to start loving you then. He didn't wait till we we're gonna open up a Bible and we were gonna set out to obey him. He didn't wait to, to offer you love after you decided to love him. He says when we were made sin, when we were sinners, he chose even back then, I'm gonna love him like a, I'm gonna take the chance they may spit in my face, that they may never love me, but I'm gonna send my son for that one too. That he may never accept what I've done, but I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm gonna give the ultimate sacrifice for the ones that will turn their back on me and never want and damn my name. And I'm gonna do it anyway. And he had to love like he's never been hurt. So I may not be preaching to you today, but I was definitely preaching to me. Glory to God. Over here in Luke 6, I'm almost done. Verses 26 through 28. Though I speak with the tongues of 
of men, or this isn't in Luke, anyway, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. No, you can try to get out there and do the things of God and try to speak and do all these things, but if you don't have love, it's just a clanging cymbal. Doesn't mean a thing. And though I have the gift of prophecy, oh, I can stand here and read your mail. No doubt about it, I've got the gift of prophecy. I can read your mail. The gifts can be working on the inside of me. Uh, They can be working and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have faith so that I could remove mountains, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. See, you can't base where somebody is off of, man, that was a good word and a good thing. And if they don't have love, they're nothing. Nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned, but if I don't have love, it doesn't profit me a single thing. So you can stand up here and say, man, I preached a good sermon today. But if I don't have love, it means nothing. I get nothing out of that. Well, I can stand up here and give it to you, but what about me? If I didn't have love. Love suffers long. It's kind. Oh, the body of Christ, be kind. Be kind. It's not enough to just say, well, I'm praying for Be kind to one another. Good Lord. I'm tired of hearing the world say, you guys are the most hateful people I've ever met. They're not wrong. Because you can go over to Vinny's right now and they'll be like, hey. You walk into church and they're like, don't sit in my seat. Mother scratch or something. You know I sit there. We don't have praise music. We're too loud or too hot. Oh, my gosh. Be kind. Be kind. Love doesn't envy. Love doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely either. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. It's not provoked. They're going to poke you, but it's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in the truth. But it bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never, ever fails. Whether there are prophecies, they're going to fail. There could be tongues, they're going to cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. And now abideth faith, hope, and love. But these three, the greatest of these, is love. Is love. It appears to me that anything that I'm going to do for God or fellow man, it won't matter without love. All the good deeds and as noble as they may be, and it could be for, for Christ, will have no effect if I don't love. What's our response today? What's the key today? Woe to you, when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. See, you can't find it in men speaking good of you. You can't be looking for that as, as, your, as your reinforcement because those same people will turn and spit in your face or they might say good to you to your face and walk out here and be talking behind your back. You don't know. But that's not where we find our worth anyway. Not in men bragging on us. Woe to you when men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. This isn't loving the ones that love you. I can find that easy to love y'all. Love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Anybody ever been used? You gotta pray for them. That's a command. Let me tell you the story, you guys. You know, I, I wrote the book Seven Days with the Witch about Angelique, the high witch of the four corners. One of my favorite things that happened in that is after we'd gotten Angelique born again, we're maybe a month down the road here, right? She's been a witch for 30 years. And here we are, we're coming out of that. And so she's learning, right? She's reading the Bible, things are happening. Well, here's Angelique, used to all these years of doing things another way. And she calls me on the phone from her car. Donnie, I'm going to kill the blank, the beep. I'm going to kill her. She's in the car. And this is a real threat. If you knew Angelique, I'm going to kill her. Driving down to Oklahoma right now, to Miami, Oklahoma right now, I'm going to kill the beep. I said, Angelique, we don't kill beeps anymore. You're going to pray for her. She said, the hell I am. I said, the hell you're not. I said, if you don't pull over right now and pray for her, don't you ever call me again. Don't call, go, go do it. Hung up on her. 15 minutes later. Donnie, I'm like, what? 
what has happened to me? I pulled over in the car and I began to pray and now I feel sorry for her. I have to go tell her about Jesus. It'll change something in your heart. It's not just the willpower to do, but supernaturally it releases something on the inside of you because the real trick was you were the one that was held captive by it, not them. And it released her, praise God. And I believe that I wasn't the only one that I was preaching to today, but there is a love. Why don't you stand to your feet? A supernatural love from a supernatural father that transcends all common sense. And it'll kick your pride right in the teeth. It overrides and covers a multitude of sins and forgives and restores and repairs and rebuilds and it makes all things new. I'm ready for all things to be made new. A peace that passes understanding to guard my heart and my mind, but it all comes from love. So here's what you're gonna do today. You're gonna lift your hands and you're gonna think of that one person that you cannot stand. Oh, if you knew what they did to me. And you're gonna pray for them. Oh, look at their face, see it. Close your eyes and see it. Remember what they did. Remember how mad they made you and what they said and what they did? And you're gonna pray for them right now to be blessed. You're gonna pray for them because listen, this is a releasing of you. No, you don't have to approve of what they did. And don't let your pride say, no, no. Listen, if you want the things that this just said, then supernaturally, you want it to, you hold the key to the after that. Otherwise, you can stay locked up in that prison the rest of your life. But you hold the key How foolish would it be for somebody to have a key and for them to say, no, I know you were guilty, but I'm saying that you're free, but here's the key, you have to unlock the door. Well, I'm not unlocking the door, I'm staying in here. You have to unlock that door and you think of that person that, that, oh, they did it, they did do it, and it was wrong. Pray for them right now, you gotta pray for them right now. Right now, you hold the key for this. I can't pray this out of you because nothing else will matter unless you do this right here. I can't break you out of that prison. You have to get out of that one. You've got to get out of that prison today. And guess what? Some people's bodies are going to be healed because of this. Do you understand that there's, there's a root issue behind the fruit? The fruit is just the body thing, but the root could be unforgiveness. And the things, nothing's going to matter unless you have love. How about maybe you look at yourself and you say, man, I blew it and I forgive myself. Maybe that's your problem is the guy that's in the mirror, the woman that's in the mirror. Maybe that's what you have to do is look in the mirror and say, I forgive you. That one's hard. Come on, look right in the mirror and say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Because Jesus forgives you. Pray for those that have spitefully used you. Pray for them right now. Hallelujah. Because we're gonna see a change. We're gonna be those that aren't gonna just do things because the Bible said to do it. We're gonna get the results because we held the key. We held the key to release it. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you for the truth of your word, that you would love us enough to allow us to come this far and hand us the key anyway. And so, Father, we thank you that even as we have prayed this morning, Father God, that right now in the name of Jesus, your word is the truth. And that truth is setting us free, setting the captives free right now in the name of Jesus, setting us free as we pray for them. Father, we ask you to bless them right now in Jesus' name. Bless those that have spitefully used us and come against us. Bless them, Father God. Bless them. Minister to them. Love on them, Father God. And Lord, I thank you that you are releasing unto us right now that captivity that we've had. Father, that we take that key and we unlock that to walk into everything that you have called us to do in this season in our lives. That we refuse to be offended. We refuse to be hurt. We refuse to stop. And we refuse to be prideful. But we're gonna be those that obey the voice of God. But not just obeying, but doing it out of love. And Father, I thank you for the great influence that you will have in this region because there's a group that came together just to love. Father, I thank you for families. I thank you, Father God, for healings. I thank you, Father God, for some of the mental torment being released in here today. Father, I thank you for relationships being restored right now in Jesus' name. Father, for miracles happening. Father, for a weight being lifted off of the people of God right now that they've carried around that guilt and shame and I would have, I could have, I should have, it's never too late. Your father standing right there. Unlock the door and walk to him right now. And Father, we thank you for a release of your supernatural love over this community right now in Jesus' name that when they see us, they see love. When they hear us, they hear love. When we touch them, they feel love. Not our, not our superficial love, your love, supernatural love. 
working through us, Father God. I thank you that you are repairing the wineskins right now to hold that new wine of love where we've been leaking, where we've been cracked, where we've been hurt. But Father, I thank you for making a new wineskin today that we can hold the love that you have and bring that to these people. Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Father God, and we pray over this next week, Lord, all the issues that are taking place, we give it no concern. We give it no concern. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. You've got us held in your hand today and tomorrow. So Father, I just thank you for giving us that supernatural peace that passes all understanding as it guards our hearts, it guards our minds. Father, that we can truly walk out of here, not, saying, uh, not having to say things by faith, but literally walking in it, Father. That we don't have to keep hoping and a wishing, but Father, that we just walk in it. We walk into this dispensation that you have planned for us. And Father, we say today, we commit to love like we've never been hurt. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for joining me for church at the MHC Sermon of the Week. I'm your host, Pastor Don Allen. Oh, we've all been done wrong. Deeply hurt, troubled, and upset with what somebody has said or done against us. But what are you going to do? You got to love like you've never been hurt. I dare you to try it and see. You'll be set free. Be sure to join us for church at the MHC every Sunday, 10 a.m. in person at the Midwest Healing Center, 728 North Main Street in Lorraine, Missouri at the beautiful Lake of the Ozarks. Or watch online live streaming video on the Two Guys in the Bible Facebook page. Want to sow into the ministry? You know you do. TwoGuysInTheBible.com. Hit donate. Church at the MHC where we love the hell out of your life.